All right. If you would turn to Matthew chapter 25, that's the text where we're going to be looking uh, that is a follow-up from Sunday morning. And then I do have a couple of other verses that we're going to look at. I'll tell you why in a little bit. I had notes that I used this afternoon, and I just looked down as if I still had those notes, and I don't know where they have gone. So I'm going to teach without any notes tonight, and uh, I, I trust that y'all will keep me on track while I do that. First question I want to ask of you, do any of you have any good stories, I just store some good stories, uh, from when you were younger maybe, about something that you did that was not so nice to a sibling or something that maybe a sibling did to you that was not so nice, but with time having passed would be uh, enjoyable for us to hear. Does anybody have any of those kind of stories this evening? All right. That's a pretty good story. Running down his own truck that he put in drive and let go and running into the door. That's a good one. That's good. Cut all of her hair off. And about how old at the time? We were like three. Three. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> good side ponytails from that. That's good. Um, I had one one time. We had uh, my brother, who's about eighteen months older than me. Um, some of y'all have met Will. He. Uh, we went. My grandparents. Now, some of y'all may be this way, but my grandparents, if you went out to eat with my grandparents, it was going to be a buffet somewhere, right? It was a, a Shoney's uh, that had some sort of buffet, but their favorite was like a Ryan's, you know what I mean? Like, that was gold to them, and so we were eating at a buffet, and uh, and I'd gotten some shrimp, because I really like shrimp, and I didn't get any cocktail sauce. I'm maybe eight, nine, ten, something like that, and so Will's a little bit older, and my, he was going to get something, so my grandfather tells him, Will, get your brother some cocktail sauce, so he does, and, uh, and so I get a big old scoop and bite it, well, he had gotten me sriracha sauce, he did it on purpose, he knew that this was not cocktail sauce, and I mean, I bite it, and I'm just, you know, crying, and ah, this, this is terrible, and he's laughing, and of course, he ended up getting it a lot worse than I did after that, but, uh, and there are some others, but I don't want to share all the secrets. Um, all right, so how many of you ever had your mom or dad tell you, or you have said to your kids something to the effect of, it's really important how you treat your brother or sister? 
Y'all have heard that or y'all have said that, right? We talk about that. You know, I, I tell the kids often, you, we need to be kind to one another. You are family. These are your only brothers and sisters. You need to watch out. You should take care of them. They are your family. We say that sort of thing. Now, not to the exclusion of everyone else, correct? Right? I teach my children, you should be kind to everyone, but we should especially watch the way that we treat one another. Now, tonight, I want to do two things. I want to show you, because sometimes it sounds strange when we say that, if we talk about, in a Christian way, that idea. That it is, there's an extra level of importance to how we as Christians treat other Christians. Sounds strange to say that, because immediately our mind goes to, it should be important how we treat everyone. Just like we teach our kids, I'm not telling you to exclude that. I'm not telling you it's not important how you treat everyone. But I want to see in the scriptures tonight that it is, there is a different level of importance in the way that we treat one another. I want to do two things tonight. So the first time I'm going to try and teach two things at one time, and I'm going to do it without my notes. So this ought to be good. I'm glad we're recording this, Brother Don. Um, I want us to see that picture from the scripture that we looked at this Sunday. I also want to give you a tool to stick in your tool belt. What I really want to do is to enrich your appetite for studying the scriptures tonight uh, through showing you something that came out of my study Sunday. It's one of those things uh, that didn't come out in the sermon, but it was part of my study to help me understand this text. I want to share it with you, a little bit of insight of how I studied to prepare for the sermon Sunday, and I pray that it will help you see uh, a tool that will help you as you study Scripture in the future. So look with me in Matthew chapter 25. This is, again, the, uh, the final judgment. Jesus is separating the sheep, which we know as Christians, from the goats, which we know as lost people. We're going to begin reading in verse 34 when he's speaking to the sheep. It says, The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Now, what are some of the things that he lists there, specific things that Jesus is calling out that they did that he is giving them props for, that he is saying, this is good that you did these things. What are some of those things that he lists there? All right, so they were hungry and gave them some food. All right, so they needed clothes, he gave them clothes. Visit them when they're in prison. Helped them when they're sick. Gave them drink when they were thirsty. Welcomed them when they were a stranger. So this really kind of goes a gamut here, right? These aren't just physical needs, 
Right? We're meeting physical needs, hungry and thirsty and, and needing clothes. But we're also meeting some emotional needs, right? When they're a stranger and you welcome, you know, when you go somewhere new and you don't know anybody and somebody steps up and welcomes you and takes you, that's special, right? We, we like that. That is meeting a need that we have. So they did many things that Jesus is commending them for here and saying even more than commending them, when you did it for them, I counted it as if you were doing it for me which is a really big deal. Now, what I want you to see here, and these two go hand in hand, is I want us to spend a little time looking specifically at verse 40. When it says, And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Now, as I studied last week, as I'm reading this text, that phrase in verse 40 stands out to me. The least of these, my brothers. Because Jesus says, as you did these things, feeding, giving drink, visiting, as you did these things for this group of people, I counted it as if you did it for me. This group of people, he names the least of these, my brothers. And we might would ask, why doesn't he go into more detail there? The least of these, my brothers, sounds a little bit vague to me. You know, it doesn't. That's, I would like for him to say, as you did that for and name groups, right, or name exactly who this is. If he's talking about other Christians, I would like for him to say, as you did those things for other Christians, I count it that you did it for me. So I want to know who is this that whenever I do something special for them, Jesus counts it as me doing something special for him. And when I, when I lack to do those things... Jesus counts it as if I lacked to do that for him, which is what he tells the goats in the next section. So this is where I want to show you something that I think will be helpful. You can get that sheet if you got out that sheet uh, with the scripture on. If not, you can turn to Matthew chapter 10. That's the first text we're going to look at. And this is the tool that I want to give you. And you're going to say, Brother Zach, that's not much of a tool. We already knew that. But I want to show you how this tool works. Here's the tool. The best thing that I can give you to help you understand Scripture is Scripture. Right? When I see something in Scripture that I don't understand, the best tool that I can have... Look, we can use commentaries. I, we can talk about commentaries. We will sometimes. Uh, we can talk about concordances. I'll show you a concordance which follows along with this idea. All the tools that you want. The number one thing to help me understand Scripture is going to be other Scripture. And so I want you to see this here. In Matthew chapter 10, look in verses 40 through 42. Jesus speaking, speaking to his disciples, and both of these, that's who Jesus is speaking to. In Matthew 25, they had asked the question about the end times, and he's teaching them. In Matthew 10, he has called his disciples to them, and is talking to them before he sends them out. He says, whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Now here, as Jesus is talking, 
to the same people he's talking to in Matthew chapter 25, we see some similarities, don't we? I mean, here he, he says, uh, whoever, verse 42, whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water. Well, that's very similar to what we see in chapter 25 whenever he says, if you gave water to them when they were thirsty, I count it that you did it for me. And I also see that in chapter 25, he uses the term, the least of these, and in Matthew 10, he says, of these little ones. Now, those are similar phrases. Would you agree that the least of these and these little ones are similar phrases? In the Greek, they're even more similar. You don't have to know that to understand this. We see that those two are similar phrases. Um, I learned some grammar this week. I won't bore y'all with that, but I was excited about it. Anyways, and so here he fleshes it out a little bit more. Right in Matthew 10, he's explaining with a little bit more detail what we see in Matthew 25, 40. He begins by saying, whoever receives you. Now, who is he speaking to again? The disciples. Whoever receives you, disciples, Christians, followers, whoever receives you, receives me. I'll be still. Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. So there Jesus spells it out a lot more clearly. He says to the disciples, if somebody accepts you, if somebody greets you, if somebody receives you, disciple, then I count it as if they've received me. He said, if somebody gives a cup of cold water to a brother because he's a disciple, truly I say to you, by no means will they lose their reward. Well, in Matthew chapter 18, we see something similar. Now, we looked at this text recently when we're going through the parables. This was the parable of the lost sheep that many of us are familiar with. And I've got three verses highlighted there, but you can read the whole section. But the three we'll look at for our purpose tonight, verse 5. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Well, immediately I'm seeing, again, a similarity, right? Jesus saying, if you receive them, it's like you're receiving me. We're seeing the same pattern. And verse 10, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So again, another similarity. That same phrase, one of these little ones. And then in verse 14, so it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So now I can ask this question. In Matthew 10, when Jesus was speaking, who was he saying, if you receive them, it's like you receive me? Disciples, right? Followers of Christ. In Matthew chapter 18, the entire chapter. I've got another microphone over here. Can you, can you hear me now? Um, I've got an echo too. So in Matthew chapter 18, the entire chapter is about how we interact with other Christians. Remember, we talked about that when we looked at that text. The parable of the lost sheep 
isn't whenever a Christian leaves that Jesus comes to look for them, but it's whenever a brother strays, we should go and try to restore them to the church. So this whole time when he's saying, if you receive one such child in my name, you receive me. Do not despise one of these little ones. My Father in heaven, it's not his will that one of these little ones should perish. And the whole time he's talking about other Christians. So then when we get to Matthew chapter 25, if I have done my due diligence, right, if I didn't just sit down for my Bible study today and open my Bible to some random passage and start reading, if I have started at the beginning of Matthew and I have worked my way through this book, I've been reading through this book, then whenever I get to Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, it says, And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Immediately I'm going to remember that in Matthew chapter 10 he uses very similar language. And I can go back and say, well, there he was talking about disciples. And the one that really stuck out to me this week is I remembered Matthew 18 because I taught that last year. So I said he used similar language there. So I went back and looked and said, who is he talking about there? He was talking about the disciples. So here, why doesn't Jesus spell it out in Matthew 25, 40? Because he's already spelled it out twice for this same group of people. When he was talking to the disciples, he has told them, what you do for other Christians is, is if you have done it for me. Every time he said these little ones, he's talking about other Christians. So when he says the least of these, my brother, he doesn't have to spell it out. He's already spelled it out. You know, if you came to my house and were just there for a normal day, there are some things that I would say to my kids that they would immediately know what I was talking about and you wouldn't know what I was talking about. Like, I could tell them, hey, take your shoes and put them where they go. And you'd say, I have no idea what he's talking about. But they would know that there's a shoe rack by the door that they need to take their shoes and put on that shoe rack. And so what's happening here is if I have studied Jesus' conversation with the disciples all the way through the book of Matthew, then I'm going to be familiar with this language. Y'all know how Jesus over and over refers to himself as the shepherd? So here in this text, whenever he says there's a shepherd who's separating the sheep from the goats, who do you think the shepherd is? Jesus. Now why do you think that? Because he calls himself the shepherd several times in the scriptures, right? So what am I using to understand that scripture? Other scriptures. Right? And so here, how can I understand verse 40 better? By using other scripture. So here are a couple of the tools that I hope that you use here. One, I hope that when you study your Bible that you will study systematically through books at the time. Right? If you're going to read James, don't start in James 3.7. Start in James 1.1 1, 1 and read. Because Matthew wrote this letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to be a cohesive thought. If I wrote a novel and you picked up the novel and started on page 4 of chapter 12 and just started reading, I'd be pretty upset because you're going to think it's a bad novel because you're not going to know what's going on. And the same thing happens for the Bible, brothers. Same thing happens. So I pray that you'll use that. I pray that that's helpful for you. I pray that you will, you will try to use Scripture to help you understand Scripture. Why doesn't Jesus make it clear here? Because he's already made it clear a couple of different times. So he shouldn't have to make it clear. So I pray that you'll do that. But back to the other point. So from this, we see Jesus saying this. The way that you treat other Christians, I'm going to count it that you have treated me that way. 
what he says here. The least of these, my brothers, if we know and understand that to be other Christians, and what Jesus says in verse 40, is truly I say to you, as you did it to other Christians, you did it to me. And that puts extra emphasis. And we've already seen Matthew 10, we've already seen Matthew 18. And so we see this teaching that Jesus has, that it is especially important how we as Christians teach, treat other Christians. I'll give you one other verse, you can write this down. Galatians 6.10. Paul says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. So there we see the blanket statement. Let us do good to everyone, comma, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we see this teaching several times in Scripture. So I know it sounds strange for me to say to you, that it is especially important how we treat other Christians. But I want you to hear that because I want you to think of other Christians the way that you think of your blood family, if you think good of your blood family. Don't think of them that way if you think bad of your blood family. I saw a guy, I saw a guy this week who was giving a good example of this. He said, you know, if I see uh, there's somebody, I'm walking down the road and I see on the other side of the road there's somebody that's starting to get mugged, I'm going to run over and help. It doesn't matter who it is. I'm going to go over there and help, and I'm probably going to get them to the hospital, and I'm going to check on them in a few days. But if I look over there and it's my mama getting mugged, there's going to be a different level of importance of how I intervene in this and how I help her afterwards. And the same should go with how we look at other Christians. When we see Ian, a brother of ours, hurt and out of work, needing help, and at home and needing somebody to visit with him, that should have a special level of importance to us as Christians. When we see a brother or sister going through a struggle, another Christian, that should have a special... Now, we should help anybody that we see struggling, but it should be a special level of importance. There should be something different when it's somebody that's part of our family, when it's another Christian. So I pray that both of these things will stick with you. When you're reading Scripture, I pray that you'll use other Scripture to help you understand that scripture. But I also pray that we will keep this in our mind, that other Christians, we don't call them brother just because we can't remember their, their name, and that's what we say at church. We call them brother because they're our brother. Jesus said, who's my mother or brother or sisters? Those that do the will of God. I pray that we see other Christians that way as well. Not just folks that go to church with us, but family. That we have a special calling to make sure that we take care of those people. Any questions about either one of those? Okay. If not, y'all join me and we'll pray to close tonight. Father God, I am so thankful that you have given me so many brothers and sisters. Uh, Lord, as blood goes, only one brother and only one sister. But Lord, as spiritual family, Lord, eternal family, that you have given me so many brothers and sisters that do such a good job of taking care of me. Lord, of holding me accountable, of speaking truth to me, of, of helping me to understand your word, of spending time with me, of checking on me when I'm sick, of taking care of my family when they need it. Father, I thank you so much for that. Lord, I pray that you would help us all to have that sort of heart for one another, for other Christians that go to Mount Zion and other Christians that don't go to Mount Zion, Lord, but that we would see those other Christians as our family, 
Lord, that we would put a special emphasis on the way that we treat them and care for them. Lord, the way that we're there for them when they need someone to be there for them. Lord, I'm also thankful for your word and, Father, the way that you and your Holy Spirit worked through the biblical writers. Lord, that you inspired them not just to write down random events, but, Lord, to write cohesive thoughts and to put them in a way that makes sense so that if we study your word properly, Lord, that we will understand it even better than we did. Father, I pray that for every one of us here, that the number one way that we would understand more Scripture is by knowing more Scripture. Lord, that we would know Matthew chapter 10 and Matthew chapter 18 so that in Matthew 25, when we read that phrase, the least of these, it immediately resounds with us that you have said a very similar thing already and we go back to see what you said there to help us understand it. Lord, help us all to learn more Scripture so that we can understand more Scripture, Father, so that we can be more useful for your kingdom. Lord, I thank you for these that are here tonight. I pray that you'd continue to grow us every day into the people that you would have us to be as individuals and as a church body, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.